0: FM Podcast. This is Scott Kesterson, and tonight you're listening to A Conversation with Commander Rob Green. This war is real. Fighting is everything. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Tempt not the righteous man to draw his sword. Conviction, righteousness, ruthlessness. To understand tolerance, you have to understand the line of intolerance. War is the teacher, soldiers are the students, they become the bards of war. Good evening, Patriots, and tonight is Thursday, July 27th in the year 2023. Patriots, tonight we have an amazing guest, somebody I'm very, very honored to to have on board, it's this is Commander Rob Green. And let me tell you, this man has got some courage. He's a Navy commander, and he's just written a book defending the Constitution behind enemy lines. And what he's talk, he talks about is the war that has been waged on our soldiers, seamen, airmen, Marines, all of our service members under these protocols to mandate the VACs. What's really amazing is Commander Green is still in uniform and he is speaking out boldly from his place and this is amazing, truly amazing. So what I am here to tell you tonight is literally this is a man who's got courage and who is leading the way in terms of how to lead soldiers and how to lead this fight from within and it's it's an amazing interview. So I'm looking forward to getting that going here in just a few minutes. Patriots, one thing that is absolutely for sure right now is we have to be very cognizant of what they're doing with your, with the economy. Now, we are just days away from the Durban Accords, and those are some of the greatest threats to the U.S. dollar is global dominance in over 80 years. On August 22nd, BRICS nations, Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa are expected to announce the launch of a new international supercurrency, fully backed by gold and other commodities. This is part of their long-term plan to supplant the U.S. and the dollar as cornerstones of the global financial system. How can you protect your IRA or 401k from the fallout from this landmark announcement? Diversity with gold. Diversify with gold from Birch Gold Group. Historically, gold has been a safe haven in times of high uncertainty, which is right now. Pretty obvious. Get a free info kit on your gold IRA, and decide for yourself if a tax-sheltered retirement account backed by physical precious metals is right for you. Text BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, to 989898. That's BARDS to 989898. There is a monumental shift happening among our nations that control one-third of the world's GDP, and it kicks off on August 22nd. Arm yourself with the information to protect your, your retirement savings. Text BARDS to, numbers, to the number 989898, and claim your free info kit today from Birch Gold. Can't go wrong. I mean, everybody's phone should be flying off the handles right now. Like everybody texting 989898. It doesn't cost you anything. It's free. It's wonderful. Great information. Good information to be armed with anyway, which is what we need. Now, you know, we've we've had a lot of discussion about the VAX, and we've stood boldly out here on the in the middle of the battle zone against the VAX. And there's been a lot of misunderstanding, perhaps is the right term, or lack of understanding would be better, of what's been going on within the ranks of our military. And it's bad. I mean, this let's be clear. These people have been subjected to all sorts of threats and all sorts of illegal orders. And it's now suddenly that we're starting to get a deeper picture as to what's really going on. At the core of this, obviously, is the discussion of defending against enemies foreign and domestic. And so all of these things are going to be discussed tonight with Commander Rob Green. This is a man who truly is leading the way. I'm very impressed. And just to the people out there that are hanging around that in those communities that are supposed to be point-of-the-spear warfighters, I'm just going to make a comment for y'all, which is this is a Navy guy. He's a Navy commander, and he's showing more balls than most people I know in uniform right now. So Congratulations to Commander Rob Green and others, this is your chance to stand up and start being mighty and bold like this man. This is amazing. Now, before we go further and before we get this going, keep in mind as well in this crazy, crazy time, and it is a crazy time, we are dealing with a Luciferian psychopathic leadership that not only likes kids, but they like to do things like take away your food. Right now, as we know our world is unchanging in very uncomfortable ways, We are being subjected to natural disasters. I think we'd call that weather warfare. Um, Political and economic disasters. I mean, look, what's the bottom line on this? You know very well that they are trying to to do anything they can to rupture this economy, and we have to be prepared. So what do we do? You head over to preparewithbards.com. Preparewithbards.com. And what are you going to find there? My Patriot Supply is where that takes you, and it is literally the best supply place for food storage and emergency food supplies. We need to, all of us have emergency food on hand. Right now they're having an unprecedented sale, 25% off, 25% off on their three month food supply. And what that is, is that three month food supply is you need one for every member of your family and everybody should have one. It's part of that foundation of an emergency food system and emergency food plans. So head on over to preparewithbards.com, preparewithbards.com. Take advantage of the 25% savings. It's the biggest savings they've offered, and it won't last forever, but it's a great time to take advantage of it. Get yourself stocked up. Get one kit per person in your family, and be ready for whatever comes. We don't know. That's just it. We don't know what's coming at us, but we know that we're looking at a lot of shakeup either way. Don't get caught short-sighted or short or flat-footed. So preparewithbards.com. Prepare with Bards, not, uh, com. You got it. You know what I'm talking about. Do it today, right away. You understood all that. I know you did. I know you're all excited now. You're like, okay, I got it after this. I got to do 989898. And then I got to run over to Prepare with Bards. But in the meantime, don't leave yet because we have a fantastic interview here with Commander Rob Green. So, Patriots, without further ado, oh, wait a minute. Yeah, there is a couple announcements I got to make. Important ones that I don't get derailed on. I can't forget. Okay, tomorrow, 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 no bended knee and no Bards FM tomorrow. I'm going up to Portland tomorrow to get a walk in freezer for the butchery. And I'm blessed to have somebody that's helping me do this. Um, He was also a rancher and it's his time frame and it's the only time we can pick it up and I need to get it. So I'm going up to there tomorrow. So bended knee tomorrow and and Bards FM are canceled. We'll do Fishers of Men tomorrow night. And what's going to happen Saturday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern? We're going to do our prayer Friday on Saturday this week. So if you have prayers, we're going to do it. That's probably, to me, that's probably one of the most important shows we have each week because we know that we're literally waging war against the enemy and we're slaying them and we're going to continue to heal and, and restore our nation through prayer as much as we can, which is fantastic. So again, no bended knee. And no, Bard's FM tomorrow, and then Fishers of Men tomorrow night. And then we're going to do Bended Knee on Saturday morning, 8 a.m. It'll be posted tonight, so you'll see it. And that'll be 8 a.m. Pacific and 11 a.m. Pacific, and I hope, to, or Eastern, and I hope to see you all there. So 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern. Don't get confused. There we go. And the final thing is we had talked about the. Common law class. And so I apologize, but with everything that has happened this week, and it's been a really busy last 10 days, a lot of things coming up, and a lot of things we've had to get get on right away. We're moving that class a week out. And I'll get the exact time and details once we hear back from Jaron. but here's the deal. Uh, It's going to be on Clout Hub is where it's going to be. I'm going to give you the heads up on that, and we're working out the details. They're going to be the best ones to host this, they have the best community forum so people can interact, ask questions, and so forth. So if you're not familiar with Cloud Hub, head on over there. And then we'll have some talks about it next week to kind of get people familiar with it. But we're going to have that forum on Cloud Hub, okay? And all the rest of those details will come to you next week. And you'll be happy and dancing around and celebrating the fact that you're part of Barge Nation. And then Barge Nation is an awesome place to be. So that's pretty good. You can't You can't go wrong on any of that, right? Okay, patriots. All that said, announcements out of the way. Sponsorships. Posted and told to you, and you know exactly what your mission is. Afterwards, to check out your nine eight nine eight and your might and prepare with bards. But now the main event. This is Commander Rob Green. Let's buckle up. We got a great interview ahead. Well, patriots, today I am deeply honored to have Commander Rob Green, who is a Navy commander, and who has written an amazing book um, defending the Constitution behind enemy lines. We have not had very much discussion over the last three years from service members who have stood up against the VAX. And this has been a deadly fight. It's also left, unfortunately, some scars between the public and the serving patriot in uniform. And so I'm hoping today that as we go through this, we're going to be able to shed some light on the type of fight that was going on within the ranks of the military and equally to really empower people and give hope back that we have some real patriots in uniform that are fighting for the Declaration of Independence and Constitution and trying to establish truly what it means to protect and defend enemies and foreign and domestic. So, Commander Green, how are you and welcome to the show?
1: Oh, thank you very much, Scott. I'm, I'm very honored to be here with you. Uh, thanks for what you're doing with your your show, the journalistic integrity and, and getting the truth
0: out there. I'm very grateful. Well, thank you, sir. Very much appreciate it. Why don't we start a little bit just with the background about you so people kind of get a context and get to know a little bit about you?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So um, Naval Academy to uh, uh, doing ship tours. I was on destroyers. Um, I got out for a little bit, became a reservist. I was doing weapon systems testing for the Navy for a while. Um, decided that, you know, I, I didn't like cubicle life. I wanted to get back and lead. So I got back in on active duty. And my most recent position was as the executive officer of a 650-person unit that did harbor security uh, at you know, different places around the globe. Uh, it was in that position where the, the COVID-19 you know, pandemic happened and the vaccine mandate came out. Um, I was pretty vocal in opposition to that, um, you know, as you know, very professionally. Um, but ultimately, uh, you know, I refused it, um, for myself, of course. Um, but ultimately I was fired from my position for that, um, sent home for seven months. I think they had plans to, you know, either court martial or, or involuntarily in separate me from the service. Uh, and then we started getting some legal wins, um, you know, which I, I had a small part to play in, in one of the cases. And then, um. Uh, Ultimately, uh, you know, they didn't really know what to do with me, so they, they eventually put me back to work um, you know after we got the injunction uh, to stop uh, the DoD from kicking people out. So that's my story. I'm back to work um, providing uh, hopefully uh, you know good rate of return and uh, good work for my bosses now, uh, where I'm at. But uh, in the meantime, I, I wrote a book about all this to make sure that you know we never forget, what happened and the laws that our senior military leaders broke in the course of mandating uh, these products, you know, against people's consciences and against the law.
0: That's an amazing intro considering you're also still in service, which thank you. I mean, I I think that there's a real courage that takes to where you are right now. I'd like to begin just with right where your first chapter of your book starts in the, in the, in its title, Against All Enemies, Foreign and Domestic. There has been, in my experience in the last three years, and we've been a strong voice here as a community against this mandatory vax. And I've witnessed some of the greatest heroes of Americans out of uniform that stood up to some of the worst tyranny imaginable. What we don't have is a good perspective inside the ranks. And with that is left a lot of questions by people that have literally said, what happened to your oath when you said all enemies foreign and underlined domestic? And it's left a, a question mark for a lot of people as they have fought out here and haven't seen a voice come strong within the military. Can you comment on some of that?
1: Absolutely, and I think it's important to to take a step back and, and look at that oath from a sixty thousand foot view, um, you know, and and in context, the Constitution does two main things: it establishes the form of our government, but more importantly, it limits that government and enshrines individual rights as having primacy. And so, so many of us in the military, you know, we're trained to defeat foreign enemies, but um, we always have thought, so many of us, myself included, have always thought of domestic enemies as being the police's problem, right? It's the Timothy McVeigh's of the world, the Oklahoma City bomber. It's it's terrorists. It's, it's another frontal assault sort of thing that just happens to happen within our borders, right? That was what we thought domestic enemies were. But it's much more insidious than that. And it's very important to understand that Because the way – what the constitution does and those two main things it does, the the domestic enemy is actually the enemy that tramples your individual rights. Because all the rest of those enemies, the foreign enemies or the enemies that are domestic, they're all the same sorts of things. It's external attacks. We have an internal problem. Um, and I like to make a you know, it's a spiritual warfare, you know, from my perspective. So I like to make a spiritual warfare analogy to help people understand it. For an individual soul, there are three main things uh, that are attacking you and trying to win you over to evil. right? You have the world, you've got the devil, and you've got the flesh, your concupiscence. And so um, you know the the world and the devil are the external attacks. The much more insidious, the much harder thing, to get in control of is that internal fight with yourself, with your own concupiscence. And it takes discipline. It takes, you know, from from a spiritual person, it takes prayer. It takes help from a higher being, from our Lord and Savior. This is what's required in order to have a full protection against all your enemies, your foreign enemies. Let's take the analogy back out. Your foreign enemies and your domestic enemies. It's the same thing for our nation right we could be amazing at stopping all foreign attacks you know and and internal uh, you know attacks uh, you know oklahoma city bomber type stuff right but we can still lose our nation if we are not disciplined in maintaining and enshrining individual constitutional rights we can still lose our soul if we do not have that discipline and we had started losing it a long time ago in our nation you know, from the 1960s on, well, before that, actually, it's been a long time in the in the making. Um, but we at this point, the individual constitutional rights um, are so far afield from everybody's mind. We have to bring that back into the center. And so for service members, that's where it's at. If you want to know who the domestic enemies are, they're the ones either encroaching on individual liberty or they're the ones enabling it by not being willing to risk their careers to stop it.
0: You bring up an interesting point here, which is, and I, I think we can agree that it's, it's difficult at times when you're in service to be able to understand where some of those domestic enemies are because the trampling that's going on is happening while our military is being deployed or they're doing their regular routine of maintaining their their, their, their abilities and their, their uh, tactical proficiencies. And this domestic enemy, which is insidious, coats itself in politics, which is another very difficult place because the military is told very clearly to stay out of politics. And yet this war has been waged right at that that nexus point. Yes,
1: and and not just in politics, but it's been waged in the military. That's where the federal government thought that you know, we have the most control here. Here's where we can exert the most authority. So this is where they focused. If, if the military goes, so goes the rest of the nation. So that's where they they focus their their attacks. But what I'll share with um, with all your listeners, um, especially those who have family members that are in the service, or if you have service members, active service members, listening to this, it's very important to understand that we are still guided by the Constitution. We're still guided by by the law, right? And so, to determine if the you know the domestic enemy has gone too far, you just have to look and see if. An order that you received is in violation of either your constitutional rights or the law. And in the case of the COVID-19 vaccine mandate, we saw both things happening. And also I'll, I'll, this is gonna be a little bit explosive, I think for your audience, cause I'm an active duty service member, but I am not backing down. And so, um, so I'm gonna start naming some names here and I'm gonna give you some examples. I have served for a long time. Um, if you include the academy time, it's um, so over 20 years, but uh, or close to 20 years. But anyway, the, um, the very first unlawful order that I ever received came under the authority of Admiral Christopher Grady. He was then the commander of Fleet Forces Command. He has now been promoted. He is now the vice chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. He's active as well. Um, the only person higher ranking than him in the entire U.S. military is General Milley. It's the that's the chairman and the vice chairman. So Admiral Christopher Grady, under his authority, uh, they issued uh, an order to us early in the pandemic that we were banned from, you know, there was a lockdown order. We were banned from doing a bunch of different things. You know, are not going to go to the beach. You can't go out to eat. You can't do other. They included in that order that you will not go to indoor religious services. That was a clear violation of my constitutional rights to worship God. And so... Uh, I was given a piece of paper that said, uh, you know, on the top of it was "I will abide by the following," and in, included on that piece of paper was the list. They wanted everybody to sign this, acknowledging, you know, and they kept pushing. This is a lawful order. This is a lawful order. Um, and so I, I refused to sign it. I asked for the editable version of that document and change it to "I acknowledge the following," essentially daring the chain of command. You can come find me and you can prosecute me if you'd like, but I will not be obeying this unlawful order. And so that's what you're going to have to do, all the service members out there. You have to look at each and every order you're given, filter it through the constitution, filter it through the law, filter it through your conscience to make sure that you understand if something has gone too far. And if it has, have the courage to stand up and be willing to accept the consequences.
0: That right there defines to me a real American soldier. And I think it's the hardest walk to make. I think we learned that well, the responsibility that's on individual soldiers in Vietnam with Kaylee and Cali and the melee incident, where we literally found that soldiers that even unwittingly abided to an illegal order were ultimately held accountable. And I think what you've just highlighted here is such the criticality of understanding the true role and empowerment of the soldier, and to—and even in, in the face of weak leadership, which today you're giving people an example of great leadership, but in face of weak leadership, having to stand up. I think that's difficult, but it's the necessary duty that, that is it's endemic in the American soldier that defines them differently than any other soldier in the world.
1: Yeah, I actually mentioned that that event, the the My Lai massacre, in the book um, because I think it's important for everyone to realize that you know unlawful orders um, they happen. This is not some random wild occurrence. Um, you know, it 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 I mean it now that was the most extreme example, um, and you know, until maybe recently. We'll see, we'll see how many people die and are injured by this. But um but what was more chilling to me as I studied, you know, studied history to write this book was the response that the army gave to the Milai massacre. That they, they did not, you know, open the floodgates and and you know attack this thing they started hiding everything they started covering it up they were not even going to prosecute lieutenant cowley for the murder you know and and other atrocities of you know 500 old men women and children they they were not going to clean this up the senior leaders of the army decided that you know they were going to protect the institution before they were willing to do what was right, you know, they were not willing to risk their careers, uh, and so what we have seen is the exact same thing happening now. So many of us, hundreds of us, there were probably, you know, maybe several thousand uh, different complaints filed. the The various service IGs, the inspectors general, should have dug in on this issue with the COVID nineteen vaccine mandate because there were a lot of unlawful things happening surrounding it. You know we can talk about you know later in the show if, if we want to dig into it the difference between you know fda approved things and emergency use authorized things like these things matter the laws matter words matter um and uh the the ig you know at every level refused to engage on this so i, I later in the book i have a chapter called the cover-up and that is exactly what, what they did in vietnam we saw it again they are covering everything up. They're, they're trying to whitewash it, and they're trying to make sure that they protect the, the honor of the institution before they uh, do the right thing or even follow the law. And so here's another name drop. You know, uh, Vice Admiral John Fuller, my very first commanding officer in the Navy, happens to be the, the, the NAV IG, the Navy Inspector General. And I filed a dereliction of duty complaint against him for failing to investigate the complaints against Admiral Grady and others for their violations of the law. And, uh, and that has not been responded to, by the way, uh, but I include details all about it in the book.
0: We are really lacking an understanding on the outside of, I would just say, the, the egregious type of attack that went on within the ranks and the pressure that was being put on soldiers. Can you shed some light on that? And I, I need to be clear here, I'm using soldiers, but we also have to just be in fair. It's soldiers, sailors, it's airmen, it's Marines in, in a proper um, vernacular, but in just for the context of the show, it's gonna lump that into soldiers, but those servicemen that are serving, can you shed some light on that perspective of of the sort of tyranny that they were under?
1: Yeah, absolutely, Scott. I really appreciate that. And I, I had to, that's a habit I had to break too. For me, it's always sailors, sailors. We take care of sailors, right? So, uh, so I, I had, had to work on it for a while to, um, and, and it's all service members now. It's just how I, I do it. But yeah, we saw some, some really egregious things. I'll, I'll share with you uh, a couple stories. One, um, a, a commander, uh, who had refused, um, the vaccine, and they had instituted a testing policy completely. um, It was was the testing, they tested for COVID-19, but it was only if you were unvaccinated. It was not related to if you had symptoms. It was just a coercive tool. Um, And this this person was banned from her building and was forced to stand outside. And as she's standing there, she had a working relationship with her one-star admiral, uh, professional relationship, and as she's standing out there, banned from her building, still reporting to duty, not allowed inside, he walks up and says, what are you doing out here? And she's like, well, I'm standing up for my constitutional rights. I should not have to take this this test. It's an EUA test, first of all, emergency use authorized test, which by law means it cannot be mandated to me. But I'm not sick. There's nothing wrong with me. There's no reason for me to take it. Um, you only instituted this testing policy immediately following the the deadline to receive the vaccine so it's just a coercive tool right so she's explaining that she's out there for her constitutional rights he turns his back on her walks in and and gives her a don't be political on on his way in the building and so that that is part of the you mentioned you know being political earlier it's part of the problem here is that we've got senior leaders who have made their own um you know their own compromises and they're willing to push this political agenda um, because they're protecting their own careers and they've made their own compromise, but they're projecting that and blaming those of us who did stand up for our constitutional rights or religious beliefs. They're saying that's about politics for us. It could not be further from the truth. I'll give you another example. Uh, Air Force Lieutenant, no, um, sorry, Air Force Captain, uh, he has a heart issue a, uh, a, a valve regurgitation that he's had um, his whole life. It runs in his family, but it didn't preclude him from doing uh, any work for the Air Force. And um, he went to see a cardiologist early in the pandemic to say, hey, should I get the vaccine or not? And the cardiologist said, it would be incredibly dangerous for you. Under no circumstances should you get this vaccine. So he took that to Air Force Medical and they denied his medical exemption. So then he files a religious accommodation, which was also denied. So then his, uh, his commander reports him to the general, the commanding general as a threat to the unit and then attempts to court martial him. He denied, he he refuses, or sorry, they they attempt to give him NJP, which he denies, refuses the NJP and demands a court martial, excuse me. And um, in the course of his, uh, you know, isolation, abuse, everything he went through, they force tested him 103 times for COVID-19, even though he had prior infection and natural immunity, 103 times they tested him. He came back negative every single one of those tests. And ultimately, when he finally PCS, they denied him his house hunting leave. That is a, a a standard benefit for when you're moving your family across the country. It's It's a, almost always approved. And they denied it just to be vindictive. So that's the kind of stuff that was happening throughout the military. And to those who did stand up to go through that and to stick to your convictions, to stick to your beliefs, I am, I am deeply honored and the hundreds of service members that I interviewed as part of this book and included these stories in, in the book. Um, I'm just incredibly grateful and moved by their
0: courage. I really appreciate those last words a lot because in from a, sitting in the nexus that I sit in, which I have a, have had a foot deeply in Department of Defense and with the military, and on the other side, really working with this with an unbelievable number of American patriots. It's it's entirely uplifting to hear that the, the amount of courage that soldiers have within the ranks. Again, not a story that's well documented, and I think you've done an, a really admirable job here in the book to try to bring that to the forefront, which I commend you for it. So thank you. I do have an additional question to follow up from what you're saying on this because it's, it's really struck me what's happened to our senior leaders. And I really mean this. I mean, I, I worked under General Scott Miller, who was, in, in my opinion, probably one of the greatest combat commanders we have ever developed, even Zenithing Patton, Patton in, in his way of being. He never lost being a soldier. And I mean, just as a great example of that, he was known later on when he was at Fort Benning, he would go on the firing line and he would let soldiers even use his own rifle to, and it was just such an incredible honor. And Scott Miller was on the ground in Somalia. What has happened to the courage of our leaders to stand up, to stand up for what's wrong? And why why has this culture developed around them that has pushed them into a place of just complying and literally going with the political momentum when they're telling soldiers not to be political?
1: Yeah, it's um, I mean, it's it's why we're here. It's why we're having this discussion. Um, it's very unfortunate, but uh, courage is a virtue, and uh, like any and every virtue, it must be exercised in order to just be be strong in it, right? And human human beings, they they are not stagnant, right? You're you're either progressing or regressing, and so if you're not practicing the exercise of courage then you are gaining practice in its opposite vice, in this case, cowardice. And so what we have seen for you know several decades is the promotion of those officers who tell their boss what they want to hear. They, they, they do not provide challenging inputs. Um, they, they do not say no to requirements. Um, I mean, just uh, a few years ago, I think it was a 2015 study out of the Army War College it's called Lying to Ourselves. That's the study. And they studied army battalions that get um, you know, that, that get requirements smashed down upon them. And they studied uh, their rates of readiness, what they were saying they were green on and what they were saying they were red on. And in every case, they are almost 100% green on everything, the maintenance, the training requirements, everything that they're responsible for doing. And when they looked and they, they studied how much time it was going to take, apparently, to do all the things that they said they were agreeing on, including all the maintenance and all the training requirements, it would have taken, and I forget the number, but um, dozens of more days. Maybe it was like 80 or 90 days more than they actually had in the calendar year to perform. So they're not even talking about your holidays and your weekends and your other you know, things like that. So we have this issue of lying to ourselves about readiness. And I'm gonna share this one. This is another, this is pretty breaking because I just had this meeting today. Um, I asked for for some time to sit down with an active two-star admiral who I highly respect. And I'm not gonna name his name, he's a, he's a wonderful guy and he, he did what he could during the pandemic. Um, but I asked to sit down with him because I wanted to meet him. I heard great stories about him. And um and we, we had the discussion about the current recruiting and retention crisis. Uh, that's going on right now in in the military. And in the book, I, I do name um, a now retired four-star Admiral, uh, Lesher, who under oath said that there were you know 7,000 gaps at sea right now. In a 250 or so ship Navy, 7,000 gaps is a lot, right? That is a lot of gaps to take on our ships at sea. Um, and, it's, and so uh, the Admiral I was sitting with, Said, well, you know, the number is actually like eighteen thousand. We were lying. He was lying, and so that, you know, and, and he explained, well, they they don't want to, they they won't count the ships that are in the maintenance period, and they won't count these over here. Anything to report a good number, and so we're willing to destroy our readiness, report falsehoods in order to make things look better, to whitewash things, protect the institution, rather than actually fix the problems. And what it does is it further destroys the readiness on the ship, even deeper than it would be, because then you're asking less people to do more work to try to get things ready for actual combat. So we have a massive problem. Uh, And and it's all about lying to ourselves and hiding things and protecting careers and not
0: doing the right thing. That number is wild. I mean, that's What's our, our marine forces, I think there are 120, 180,000. I don't know if they plused up to 200,000 yet. You're talking 18,000 slots? That, that,
1: 18,000 gaps at sea is the number. Wow,
0: that, that's, that's stunning. And, and they, those aren't gonna fill quickly, and you and I both know that those, that's a readiness issue that's beyond imagination because you it takes time to get people trained and then trained up to the proficiencies to be effective in the, in the stressful environments. Amazing. If you want further proof of, of
1: how political they truly are, they're not willing to bring back the 8,000 service members they kicked out. They're not willing to do it. They're, they're not going to give them back pay. Like we're trying, we're, we're filing lawsuits to try to force them to do the right thing and bring these people back, but they don't want them. They don't want to admit they made a mistake.
0: Do you think that that stems from a point of, legal liability that they're concerned that they're opened up for lawsuits or is it simply just pride and arrogance?
1: Yeah I, I can't speak to motives I mean I, I struggle with that um, you know m- my friend our friend Pete Chambers you know has talked about Nuremberg 2.0 quite a bit right you know maybe some of them are looking ahead enough to know that they don't want to be a defendant in a future possible Nuremberg 2.0. I have no idea but you know what I can say is that right now you know it is it is wrong. Is wrong. And I don't care about their motives. They need to make it right. Like there's mercy for everybody. I've made more than my fair share of mistakes, and I don't deserve to be where I'm at in life or have the family I have or anything else. So, I mean, there's mercy and love for every one of these senior leaders that did the right thing before if they'll come back and help us repair the harms that are done. Um, You know, but it, it requires us to stop harming, you know, admit the mistake and then start repairing. And and we're not seeing it yet. So I'm going to continue to be vocal until either they kick me out or court martial me or whatever. It doesn't really matter to me because I made this decision. I'm going to keep calling it out until we do the right thing or, you know, they move me on to something else.
0: How important has your faith been not only in enduring of the the challenges that were before you, but in keeping that discernment ahead of you and during this fight? yeah i thanks scott i it,
1: it was it was very difficult early on um you know I have seven kids and you know a wife's homeschooling them and uh you know there's no other income coming in but mine
0: and so you do realize you are you are now officially part of Bard's nation. You just listed two of them that just put you qualified as an official member of Bard's nation. Keep going. Thank you. I, I hope there's like a <laughs> plaque or something. That would be great. I'm just kidding. Don't don't do that. <laughs> we'll, we'll, um, we'll, we'll, we'll get you something. Don't worry. <laughs> th- thank you.
1: Yeah. So um, so it, it was. You know, there's a lot of fear. There's a lot of fear early on, um, but uh, for those of us who are, are Christian and have that worldview we've got to have an eternal perspective, right? We're only going to be going to be doing this for 80 years, 90, maybe. Um, And, and so me and my wife had some tough conversations about, about all this. And and she's more aggressive than me. I mean, she never wore a mask once. I mean, she led me into this in many ways. And so, um, and so some of those tough conversations, when they were threatening court-martials and they were kicking people out, with uh, uh, commission of a serious offense on their DD-214s, you know, with other than honorable discharges or general discharges. Um, you know, you put those two things together, court-martials and commission of a serious offense, that comes with jail time. And so um, so we talked about this. How far are we willing to go to do what's right? And so I, I'm a Catholic, and, you know, I, I look to St. Thomas More, who stood up to King Henry Eighth. You know, even to the Tower of London and even into death, right? To do what his conscience compelled him to stand up for. And, you know, that conversation was similar for us. You know, we decided to give it to God. Whatever's going to happen, we're going to do the right thing. We're going to stand up for the right thing. And then come what may, we're going to stay true to our beliefs. Um, and when I finally did that, when I finally gave that fear over and you know, gave the consequences to God, um, like I, I was. Re- Paid with a peace and a joy I have, you know, I maybe never felt uh, about something so significant, Uh, some some crisis in my life like that. Uh, It was an incredible moment for me, Um, and I I tell you, I've never had so much fun leading in in the military, knowing that what I was fighting for was one of the you know the most um, deepest, most intricate connections to the Constitution, because we're talking about individual liberties. Um, and so, you know, you know, I didn't have a unit to lead anymore uh, because, you know, I was fired from that. But in communicating with hundreds of service members that I interviewed, talked to, uh, that we connected to, you know, some of them needed help struggling mentally because they've been isolated, abused by their by their chains of command. Uh, we created a network uh, and trying to lead that network, you know, in, in, a, in a godly, um, patriotic manner. I've never had so much fun. In, in all my time. Uh, so yeah, that's, that was, that's my story and how faith is, has helped me personally get through this and, and hopefully helped a lot of others.
0: Well, it's interesting, it, it was a couple nights ago that I actually talked of almost the exact same thing in terms of combat, because it was, there's a, and, it, and this is, you're in a form of combat right there, what you're describing. And it's not about vengeance. It's actually when you're walking in the righteous space there is there is a, almost a joy that's with you at all times because you know where you're walking is the right for what place to walk. That's a really interesting firsthand account, and, and, and I commend you for it. It's really fantastic. Let's talk a little bit about this cancer that's in our Department of Defense, and it's across all all of the services. It's not letting itself, it's not unentrenching itself. As a matter of fact, it's doubling down with this transgender and um uh, and the race theory, critical race theory stuff, which is I see is extremely unhealthy for the long term of the force. The, um, you made a comment in the beginning of your book where you said you, you've witnessed this, but you've never seen an unlawful order, which is important because they've, it has happened in a, quote, legal framework to do that. But what are we looking at here in terms of resetting the nation's military? I mean, this is a big process. We have senior leaders that take years to get there. And they have purged out thousands. We're sitting here with a readiness problem, and these same people are still in power, trying to affect rules that, quite frankly, are probably designed more to protect their backside than they are to move the force forward to a better position as a, as a first world nation.
1: Yeah, um, I you know the unlawfulness of, of orders. Uh, it's important to understand, uh, and in the book that you know you reference the section where I talk about. You know, the extremism stand down that we had under Secretary Austin, um, you know, white extremism and neo-Nazi extremism trainings that that we were were, we had to do. Um, And I I didn't experience any unlawful orders related to that transgender training that we were told to to take. Um, There's two things required, right? The 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 order cannot violate your statutory rights. So it can't violate the law. As related to you, and can't violate your constitutional rights. Well, going to those trainings. Didn't violate my my rights. I studied it to make sure that I could I could, in good conscience, go to those those trainings. Um, but there are some things happening now. It's only progressed, right? Uh, there are things happening now that, were I in command uh, of these of these units where this is happening, I would have to take a similar stand. Um, you know, we got a report the other day that that a young female soldier is on an army uh, on the army side, young female soldier uh, had discovered a transgendered uh, person in their space, a male that was transitioning to female who had not, um, you know, done, finished their surgery and had, and saw this a shower complex or whatever. Uh, and it was reported up to chain of command um, that would be unlawful you don't subject people to that. You don't put them in those situations. Um, and, you know, where i in command there, I would absolutely be willing to, you know, lay down my rank uh, and um, you know, potentially get kicked out if it's what it came to, to make sure that no, you know, service member under my command ever had to be subjected to something like that. Uh, they want to normalize these things. And so um, and it's going to require us to stand up for, for truth, uh, and justice to make sure that um whatever they're planning for our nation and you know they're practicing right now with with the services, you know, they cannot execute this. Um, so it's gonna require people with courage. And again, back to that, hey, courage is a virtue. These commanders that are being faced with this and try and being told tell everybody it's okay, it's no big deal, that's their decision. They can choose to be whatever they want. Well, that's That's not how reality works and it's certainly you don't make people have to experience that in order to, um, to normalize something. So we're in a position now where, you know, moral courage has got to be practiced in the small things, or you will not be in a position to stand up to stuff like that and protect that, that poor, you know, female soldier that had to, um, to endure that and report that up their chain of command. Um, so I hope that answers, I hope that answers the question, but yeah, this is, it's back to courage here.
0: Oh, I agree, I, mean, I think that's well said. FDA approved versus emergency use, you were gonna touch on that, I'd like to hear what your thoughts are.
1: Yeah, so uh, a lot of people call it the bait and switch, um, You know, but they had an emergency use authorized product and um, normal vaccine requires, I mean, it takes 12 years Usually something along those lines to get to a fully tested, fully approved, you know, good manufacturing infrastructure around it. Um, You know, you you get a pretty good idea of some long term effects at that point. Uh, And then, you know, it's finally approved by the FDA under the laws that govern emergency use authorized products. Almost all of that is thrown out. Good manufacturing processes are not required. There's no obligation to have good manufacturing infrastructure in place. Uh, there is no uh, obligation that the vaccine actually works. All it has to all it has to meet is this unbelievably uh, low uh, requirement that it may provide some benefit. That's it. it. Doesn't have to actually do anything, and that it doesn't have to be safe. And, and what the EUA law does in, in order to, it's, it was meant, it was written in by Congress in 2004, 2005 timeframe. Uh, it was meant to you know, give some possibility in the event of some massive you know, pandemic that was killing everybody. Um, it was meant to give some liability protection to those uh, who produce this thing, uh, this product, that individuals who may receive it um, could have some hope, some chance of getting something before they died, right? Uh, that's what it was designed to do, the law. But the way the government used that law is they produced something in nine months. They threw out all those good manufacturing processes. They did not prove efficacy. They did not prove safety. Um, they, they also have perfect liability shields around everybody involved. Um, Congress is protected. The government's protected. The DOD is protected. The manufacturers of the product are protected. The administrators of the product are protected. No one can sue anybody if the product is an emergency use authorized product. And so um, the only person ha- taking any risk is the person receiving the product. So that's why the EUA, EUA law exists, because uh, the most important thing it does, it says that any recipient of an EUA product has the right to accept or refuse the product. Period. It's a required condition under the law, uh, and so attempting to mandate that product is a clear violation of the law, and and renders the emergency use authorized product law meaningless. And so, what what we had in the DoD was uh, and you know hundreds of thousands of millions wait, hundreds of millions of vials of an emergency use authorized product that went through this completely waived process that we have no true knowledge of its safety or efficacy. And the day that a fully licensed product was approved, the day after that, Secretary Austin mandated a fully licensed product, right? But that fully licensed product was never produced. And it was never produced because it had no liability shield. And so the only thing that was ever available to service members, was the emergency use authorized product. But they were told, you have to get it. And then to cover all that up, and I write about this in the book, to cover all that up, the surgeon generals uh, and the health officials in the Department of Defense wrote a couple memorandums saying that, well, they're interchangeable. Well, they're not interchangeable. But from med- medical perspective, sure, the FDA said you can take the licensed product and the emergency use a- authorized product and a recipient, remember they have to volunteer, a recipient can – choose to have one or the other, and it doesn't matter from a medical perspective. But the FDA in every emergency use authorized authorization document clearly laid out that the products are legally distinct. And the legal distinction, the most important one, is that one comes with the right to refuse, the other does not. And our DOD leaders ignored that. They declared them interchangeable. And, and this is what really got me. When I was studying the law, to actually have a product that's interchangeable, like they have a list of them. It's called the Purple Book on the FDA. and You can go look it up. Um, To have a product declared interchangeable, the law says it cannot be declared interchangeable until the day after the 12th year of the original product. So we couldn't even have an an interchangeable product until August of 2033. All of this law completely ignored. And so that, that's some of the issue that, that we have going on in the military. And that's a pretty long-winded way and it's are always tough to, to go through legal stuff over the radio, but it's important to understand you know, why we can't have service members who are lab rats, essentially, um, to a DOD that's pushing an, an emergency use authorized experimental product.
0: It was an excellent discussion and it's an important one to understand. It's always in the details and I think that's the big thing. You, You've had an opportunity in your book to talk to many people and I'm sure that in this process one of the most unique parts of this attack that has happened both to our citizens of the United States and to our men and women in uniform has been the ability to make it an individual attack by nature even though it was a, by strategic view, a global attack on the entire population. That makes it feel, often makes people feel isolated. I would imagine in this course of this project that you've been able to connect and realize that there's many more people out there of same mindset than you thought. Talk a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, I I think that, I mean, I I like to throw around a couple percentages just from within the military. You know, three to 5% stood up in some way, right? And they said no. Um, 50% or so had very strong objections to getting the vaccine and, and the rest of that 50%, um, they went along under duress, right? They, they're, they're the only paycheck for their family. You know, they, they have other things going on. Um, and then there's like another 25% that wouldn't have done it if they, if it hadn't been mandated, um, These are the groups, this, you know, 70, 75%. I think it's reflective of the general population. I think they need to rise up. They need to wake up. They need to realize that their government has not changed much except gotten worse, you know, since the days that we were trampling my Native American ancestors and taking their land and doing egregious things, you know, in in all parts of, 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 of the country and all uh, eras of history, um, our federal government has not improved; and has gotten a lot worse. They should not be trusted, and um, and this is the segment of the population that that we need to have wake up. And we're seeing them all over the place. They they see you know riots in their streets, they see problems uh, in their towns, um, and they're starting to realize that uh, it is encouraged by segments of our leadership they they want these things they want the um the 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 lack of concern um they 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 want these problems the wedge drawn in in society um and we can't have that and we've got so that's that's part of what i try to tell everybody because there's a lot of anger from those of us who stood up to this um i try to tell them you got to fight in love You have to fight with love and faithfulness because if you do anything else, uh, we're undermining the message, right? We can't fight using their fifth generation tactics, uh, tearing things apart and destroying. That's not what we do. We're builders. And so, um, you know, you're right about the network of people and and seeing a vast segment of our population slowly starting to wake up. We need to unite them. Um, We need to build this network. And we got to do it in love. We can't fight the way they fight.
0: We speak the same language. This is so true. It's a very difficult fight for Indeed because they've used the, the domains of warfare that are not endemic to the strategies and operations other than, say, information warfare and PSYOP. And that's where they've been playing. The experience that the military brings is immense. Leadership clarity, the disciplines, the ability to organize, ability to mobilize. I just like your thoughts on how you think we can enhance that bridge because we have a a mass of Americans out here that are doing great work, that love their military and want to love it more. And right now there is still a divide and I'm not saying it's a, it's a negative divide. It's just, we can't seem, it's difficult to bring these two sides together and yet together we are truly mighty, not just strong. What's your thoughts there?
1: Yeah. um, The distrust should not be, uh, directed at the military per se, um, because it's, you know, and make sure I, I, I speak this, uh, words matter, so I want to be you know very clear. Um, you know, the, the Army, the Navy, the Marine Corps, the Air Force, these aren't the problem necessarily. It's leaders leading this and taking us in, in bad directions. So the distrust needs to be directed at individual leaders for their actions, for their words, for what they actually do. Um, and so I, I've said this a couple of times in other in other um, speaking engagements I've had, uh, at least once, like to, to the American people, you cannot trust us with your sons and daughters. Not yet. We're working on it. We need to clean house, right? We need to put our own house in order. And then once we get this rioted once we're no longer following the whims of politics and we're adhering to the law and we're willing to sacrifice careers and um, and what's good for the individual for the sake of the Constitution and, and the law and to do what's right. When we have leaders in place that are willing to do that and they prove it, that's when you can trust us again. And so, you know, I, I want a strong military. We have to have it but not for the sake of protecting interests that don't matter to our nation, right? The The military needs to be used, uh, needs to be available to defend us. And most importantly, to defend constitutional rights. And right now, the vast, the vast majority of our leaders are using their authority to do the opposite, They're trampling constitutional rights. And many of the things that we are doing around the nation are not supporting the constitution. So that's, that's where I would go with with that from a, you know, again, 60,000 foot
0: view, but. I think it's a great one. You mentioned in your book that the number of people that are bad in this situation is surprisingly small. Can you elaborate on that? Yeah,
1: um, I think, and this goes to the, you know, our 75% of people who, you know, did not want to go along uh, in some form. Um, so many people had good intentions. Uh, so many people wanted to do the right thing. So many people trusted the senior leaders above them, uh, and at the highest levels within the military, this is the uniformed mil- military leaders. Um, you know they they get guidance from from political leaders, and I understand that's probably the toughest job we have out there. They have to direct the strategic um, you know vision of where we're headed and what we're doing, but they're being told to do things that um you know, to do things that push political narratives and political agendas. Um, man, frankly, I think every every single one of the Joint Chiefs should have been willing to resign, um, should have stood up and protected uh, the services that they lead from this politicization. Uh, it, it didn't happen. Um, so many mid-grade officers so many of the lower-level senior leaders, and up to the even the one and the two-star leaders, I think the vast majority of of them um, tried to do the right thing or wanted to stand up and, and do the right thing, um, but they felt trapped. And 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 so many people early on in the pandemic didn't understand, right? They didn't. They weren't studying the data. Things were censored. They couldn't see it. Um, the voice that my voice and voices like yours and, and, and people who are trying to wake them up to what we did already know about about the vaccine and the loss of individual liberties, we were silenced or, um, you know, people couldn't find us. And so the only way we're going to wake the rest of this, I think, majority of the military and the majority of the nation up is to is to continue to do what we're doing. We got to speak out. Um, we have to you know, wake up the American people. Um, I think that the numbers of villains is very small. The number of people who truly understand what they were doing and did it anyway, I think that number is small. I think a vast majority of of leaders did not want to go along, and they are both uh, victims first, and then ultimately perpetrators for the sake of you
0: know their uh, their own equities. Yeah, that last part's tough. It's a, that's a real. That's a real issue. What would be your message to the service members out here that do listen to this? You're, you're in a, an amazing position of both being in and speaking truth to power right now. What would be your message to them?
1: Yeah, I, I would, I would encourage them to, you know, what we mentioned before, um, stay faithful, stay faithful to your conscience, stay faithful to the constitution, obey all lawful orders. Like I can't stress that enough. If, if you get an order to, to do something and you don't agree with it, I don't, I don't care. I don't care that your trust has been betrayed. Um, you know, mine certainly has, but you must obey all lawful orders. Um, and, uh, and, and I, but at the same token, you have an obligation to disobey, to resist any unlawful order. And so everybody is put in a pretty, um, pretty tight position. Uh, we're going to have to take a lot more care as we see which way our leadership wants to go um, in in trying to discern those things that are unlawful from those things that are lawful. But I, I would encourage everyone to continue to remain faithful. Uh, don't just do something or execute some order or promulgate some order if you're a senior leader um, without taking a moment to make sure you understand what you're doing and what the law surrounding it says. Um, don't just trust anymore because I think the trust has been betrayed. We can't just blindly trust. Um, we've got to be willing to, uh, to dig in and understand everything ourselves. And then, and then finally the most important thing, fight and love, you know, there's mercy for everybody. Um, this we're, we're, we're not the arm of vengeance, you know, that's the Lord's right. So, um, we're here to, to love everybody, to welcome everybody back. Um, and, uh, and ultimately, you know, if, if they won't,
0: then we have to remain faithful. Well said. Where can they find your book, the title and the location? Do you have a website as well? I, I don't. And, uh, and I, I try to avoid social media. So, uh,
1: <laughs> but you can go see. to the, the publisher is Skyhorse, and they, they've done some amazing, uh, books recently. Um, and, uh, you can, you can find it on all the, the normal retail places. Um, Skyhorse is a publisher. Um, CHD is the imprint, Children's Health Defense, a uh, great organization. Um, so you can, you can find the book there. It's Defending the Constitution Behind Enemy Lines. And then more importantly, it's a story of hope for those who, who love liberty. Um, and that, that's what I want people to get out of this book. I mean, it's a lot of painful stories. Um, it's the founding fathers are tied into every chapter as well, uh, what they went through. That was similar to what we're going through. And, um, but ultimately, the hope is in each other. We have found each other. We're, bu- we're building that network. Uh, and there are people willing to stand up
0: for this tyranny. So that's where the hope is. That's excellent. Well, we always close with a prayer. And if it's okay, I'll do a prayer. Yes, absolutely. Father God, I just want to thank you for this blessed meeting. And once again, another demonstration of courage and speaking truth to power. In just quoting as well from a a quote from our founding fathers, and one that that Commander Green puts into the book is that of Samuel Adams. The love of liberty is interwoven in the soul of man and can never be totally extinguished. There are certain periods when human patience can no longer endure indignity and oppression. The spark of liberty then kindles into a flame. Father, our prayer today is that that flame gets ignited massively. A flame with righteousness that understands that we have a duty truly to take the words and heed the words here that were spoken today by Commander Rob Green and to speak truth to power, to stand boldly against this evil and to not let ourselves succumb to any more of its lies, its twists and its deceit, that we now stand truly powerful as the, as the children of the Most High in the face of a very dark evil, but to now bring light into the darkest places to stand boldly in the courage and love that you give us and to not let this evil move anymore, and furthermore, to expose this evil for all to see. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, sir, it's been an honor to have you on. Really appreciate it. And uh, I just want to commend you for speaking still in uniform. I think that is such a powerful statement, and I hope that resonates not just well with those out here to understand and appreciate what that means, but I really hope that inspires so many in uniform to understand that you're not alone, you've never been alone, and now more than ever, it's time to stand and honor your oath. And
1: God bless you, Scott. Thank you very much for having me and uh, encouragement and love to everybody listening.
0: Well, thank you, sir, and God bless you too. We'll talk very soon. Well, Patriots, that was Commander Rob Green, truly an American hero in this time and one that has, uh, is taking a lot of risk doing what he's doing. You've heard a lot about the inside story of what's gone on, and it starts to put things in context a great deal as to the level of deceit that has been seeded into our government, from our Department of Defense to the government officials to corporate heads. This is an insidious attack that they waged against the American people, both in uniform and out. Just as a footnote, and these are my comments, these are not Commander Green's comments, and I want to be very clear about this. But those in the Joint Chiefs and all of those that were involved in this complicitly, be prepared to hang because when we get our way and we will restore this nation, there's a rope waiting and we're not going to play around. You violated the greatest trust of all. You have sacrificed the health of our soldiers for your corrupt and horrific way of being. And whatever it costs, whatever you were paid and whatever you rewarded, it's going to be a sorry little bit to receive in the end when you're swinging from the end of a hemp loop. That said, Patriots, keep your prayers up for Commander Green. He is an absolute hero and he needs our prayers and we will put him on our prayer list for the weekend. This is a crime against humanity. It makes me sick what they have done to our soldiers and I'm so grateful for the courage of people like Commander Green to come forward and speak truth to power. Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time, in this place for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tonight for Fishers of Men. Until then, or until the next time, God bless and out for now.